Hey guys, welcome to Stock Talk. It's again Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge, and I am quite speechless, my friend, because we just recorded one of the best episodes we've ever had, along with the many others, but I've had so much fun with our buddy Brad Hook. Uh, dude, two hours. Two hours that episode lasted, and if you uh, have clicked play and are letting us speak to you uh, right now... You're probably surprised at the fact that it lasted so long because it is our longest episode to date. But after we dive into conversation with Brad, you understand why. Um, just this, the amount of, of real hilarity that that man lives every day is insane. Yeah. And I, I can call him a buddy because although we've just literally oh, the only time sure I've ever chatted now. to him, the only time I ever chatted to him was this episode you get, you guys are getting ready to hear. I, I can call him a buddy now. I just, I feel confident of that. So yeah. uh, before we get too far into the episode, uh, our friends at Walton are still killing it with their content that they're bringing. It's county fair season. It is state fair season and they are everywhere at once. If you want to see your kid, brother, whatever it may be, if you can't make it to the show, they got your back. All you got to do is go to waltonwebcasting.com, go to their live feed if the show is going on now, or you can subscribe and go to the archives and look at every single show. Even if you're the showman that was in the ring, you can sharpen up your showmanship skills and uh, see what you did wrong and improve for the next time. Not only, Corey, do they do the live feeds, but they have a array of other things that our listeners can enjoy. Yes. If those folks would go to stock doc, a little boy, oh boy, my words are just not flowing this morning. <laughs> Stockcenter.tv is where they could go to get all the cool, uh, interesting video content that uh, Walton has produced. Uh, dude, Greg Allen is one talented individual. He does all the video editing and production for Walton. And let me tell you what, if you are a livestock producer out there and you want to get some quality video shot of uh, your, uh, your, your bulls or your steers or your uh, show pigs, or just, you know, you want people to know who you are and you want to shoot a commercial, um, you know, get a hold of, get a hold of uh, Walton. They can certainly help you out there or get a hold of Brad Hook. He can certainly help you out. I mean, no free, That's ad, right. no free ads for our buddy That's Brad, true. but I mean, Hacking. Sounds like he has every every day from now until forever book, but who knows? You can maybe uh, slide yeah. in there somewhere. Maybe sneak it in. Um, yeah. So, uh, Trevor, a, another uh, group that we probably need to make note of here before we dive in too deep to the show is uh, the Indiana State Fair uh, uh-huh. is, is going to be gigantic this year. Our buddy Spencer Morris and crew are putting together what will be the best, in my opinion, and from what it sounds like, the best grand drive that a Midwest State Fair has ever seen. Um, they have obviously bumped it up over the years, uh, you know, pyrotechnics and that sort of thing, um, more so being OIE-esque and helping those kids just have one heck of an experience out there that is unique, especially uh, in the Midwest. And uh, might I add... And at the Grand Drive for the Steer Show, folks are going to see a couple different things there. And if you have uh-huh. already listened, uh, you know this already. But if you haven't and you're just tuning into this episode, brand new this year at the Indiana State Fair Market Cattle Drive. Notice how I didn't say Market Steer Drive. Market Cattle Drive will be 
a market heifer division, which will compete with the steers, and a slick shorn steer division. And we have been told that in both those divisions, there are some very seriously talented show families, seriously talented cattle breeders, and extremely talented showmen behind those livestock. So that's going to be a fun one to witness. I cannot wait to see some see some slicks out there. Yeah. I mean, giddy up. I'm pumped to get to the Indiana State Fair. It is literally, we had a meeting there the other day and I got jitters and the videos that's going to be out there, holy buckets. I don't care where you're from tuning into this episode. You wait for the 4th of August. That's when the Grand Drive is going to happen. Walt Webcasting will be there, of course, and yeah. you can view it from there. But if you can get to Indianapolis, be there be there okay let's get to the episode well, jeff well don't forget speaking of merch get on our oh, yeah. website stocktalk-podcast.com if you buy merch from now until august 16th from this episode until august 16th we will donate 10 percent to the day family well to and how should i say that Corey? we're going to um, donate to the ronald mcdonald house through the via the day family yeah via the day family who nathan did a fantastic thing by setting up a gofundme for the ronald mcdonald house so right. there you have it from now yeah. until august 16th 10 percent of our sales are going that way yeah i wanted to jump the gun on you i apologize uh, that's a very important point to bring up nice job trev yep you're welcome so Without further ado, I will not introduce Brad, not because I don't like him, but because Corey absolutely nailed it on the head. Without further ado, here's our buddy, Brad Hook. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to penetrate your earbuds with something you've never heard before on Stock Talk. This is a new way to intro our guest, and I couldn't think of a better human to start off with than our next guest. So without further ado, here we go. World traveling livestock photographer, ex today show host, the most electric human on Instagram and the man with the cam. Welcome to stock talk, Mr. Brad hook. Bradley. <laughs> what's up my man? <laughs> oh my, I, I feel honored. I really <laughs> stolen from the Pat McAfee show 2.0. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. Mm-hmm. We are pumped to have you on here. We have a ton of listeners and fans said, boys, you got to get Brad hook on. You got to get him on for are, months. This has been happening. So we sure, got you on. Are you sure you're not confusing me with someone else? <laughs> oh, we're positive, man. So, <laughs> Hey, before we get started into the, the nitty gritty, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you came from and, and the whole bit. Well, it's never been easy for me. I was born a poor black child (laughs) on the Missouri-Iowa line. Rode a pony every day helping my father gather grass cattle. But we couldn't afford an ordinary pony. My pony was blind in one eye. (laughs) Her name was Sugar. Okay. All right. I'll quit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Slightly, Slightly have trouble taking things serious, but I'll, I'll be good. I promise. I promise. Is there, is there any truth to that story at all? 
Yes, it's actually the honest God truth. I had a <laughs> my my first pony was named Sugar. She was blind in one eye. I rode her bareback every nearly every day, helping my dad and his hired man. We ran thousands of grass cattle here in Southern Iowa. And uh, Sugar, uh, Sugar, the worst thing about Sugar was whenever she had to cross a, a small creek or a ditch, she freaked out and she would nose her way up to it and smell it and start quivering. And then jump straight up in the air about six foot and land right in the middle of it. Oh. <laughs> walk out casually like she could have done the very first time and say, <laughs> it's, I'm telling you, it's just a miracle. I have I'm, this low lush voice today. Because- <laughs> well, and I'm surprised you have kids after that. Exactly. Exa- that exactly. So what was it like growing up as a African-American within the agriculture industry? And I, for some reason, this is programmed into my head. You guys, are, your listening audience, 90% of them won't get that. But that was from 1979 movie with Steve Martin called The Jerk. And it's one of the greatest <laughs> all-time opening lines <laughs> of any movie. And for some reason, I don't know why it always comes out my mouth, but it does. And uh, <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> Trev, we'll, we'll save that question for Callus when we get him on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to know that, to be honest with you. Oh. That is awesome stuff. So you are born and raised in Southern Iowa, you said. And uh, I think people would know you for your photography skills, which we'll get into much more detail later. Um, so just tell us the the Brad Hook story of, uh, you know, we, we heard about sugar. But from there, how did you become, you know, so respected within the, the show cattle industry like you are today? Well, let me let me tell you just a little bit more about uh, about myself to begin with so you get a better picture i'm 54 uh in the body of an 84 year old in the mind of a 24 year old so (laughs) this will explain a lot uh for the next hour uh i'm been married this week well i turned 54 this week on july 25th and i've been married 32 years on the 26th to wow to the same lovely wife a kindergarten teacher of 33 years and her family she come from a cattle family, Drake Simitals, uh, Larry Drake down in Centerville. So uh-huh. I got two mm-hmm. kids, Sage is 24. She's an accountant. Fun fact about Sage I'm pretty proud of is uh, she went kindergarten through college graduation 4.0. And she did wow. every, every drop of that from um, uh, her mom. Not you. <laughs> Drake, uh, Drake is my son. He's 20. He's big in the show pig deal. He loves it. He eats it. He sleeps it. Uh, fun fact about his schooling, uh, he made it through one whole week without getting sent to the principal's office. And I, I right. really cried. <laughs> wow. It's it impressive. Proud father moment. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and so he, he got that from you, I assume then. Yeah, probably did. Yeah. Probably and Brad, did. you're really double dipping in the, in the gift exchange. I feel like with having your birthday and anniversary the same week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, it's made for a lot of cheap birthday presents for her, I can tell you that. But, uh, that's okay, you know. It's uh, it's all it's all about the love and the money doesn't matter. So I say, but uh, right. Um, I was believe it or not, guys. From I was really really shy when I was growing up. Till I didn't. I was too scared. I was too nervous to join 4-H until I was 11 years old. And uh, we had a small neighborhood 4-H group. I think there was only like five or six of us, and they were all older than me. And why, I have no idea. It was all figment of my imagination. I was, I was so nervous, I wouldn't go to the dime store 
and buy candy by myself because I was like afraid the clerk was going to interrogate me or something. You know? <laughs> wow. Most, most people call BS on that statement, but honest to God, it's the truth. I was, I was an extremely nervous child. I had no idea why I outgrew it. Um, you probably had that figured out, but, uh, um, uh, showed back to the 4-H deal The your generation and, and the younger kids will get a kick out of this, uh, showed feedlot cattle actually. And oh, wow. why did I show All feedlot right. cattle? Because there wasn't show cattle then. I mean, uh, this is the 1980s, late seventies. And, and, uh, my dad would, he, he bought a lot of cattle, as I mentioned earlier with sugar in the grass yearlings. And I'd go running out every night when he'd pull in the, in the drive. And I'd say, did you get any club calves today? And well, obviously he was coming from either the Russell sale barn or the Hummison sale barn or wherever. <laughs> one time, one time he said, yes, I did. I think I got you some. And there was an actual Kianina, Kianina cross steer and a Simital cross steer on that trailer. Oh boy. And that was, that was as clubby as it got in 1979 or 80. <laughs> and uh, so I was pumped, got them in, broke them. And ended up winning the heavyweight division at the county fair, the medium weight division with the, at the county fair, and then grand overall. So that was that was like my biggest mo, my shining moment when I was in 4-H, all with feedlot cattle that had no hair, you know. And I'm sure. Well, you, whenever I'm you sure win the county fair, in those either. Oh well, no, no, definitely <laughs> not on the, on the ball. The key, the key bull. We did find out where where that calf was raised and. And he went back to some like old Beaver Valley genetics, uh, the white full blood key bull on little bitty Pony Angus cows. And like I say, it, it was a different time, guys. You, you, I wish you could. I wish I could transport you back to there just to see how how far we've came. But uh, but anyway, um, and then and then uh, one more thing about about growing up. Uh, when I was growing up, it was the eighties, and in in. in Unfortunately, it was right during the 80s farm crisis, and it mm. was it was the farmers Vietnam uh, in this area. And and we we ended up losing half of everything we had wow. later in life. We got it back. But I mean, it was trying times. And, and so we you know, we were a very strong family, very strong Christian family. And and the thing that I learned the thing that was instilled in me at that time still to the day is in effect with everything I do. And that is to enter everything you do, everything you do with the worst case scenario in mind. Hmm. Is that being negative? No, it's not being negative. It's being realistic. You enter right. in with the worst case scenario. And then when it doesn't go wrong, Hey, it's gravy. It's great. But when it does go wrong, you take a picture of it. Like the eighties, you're not shocked. You're not surprised, you know? So, yeah, that's actually a very interesting and very true way of going about life. If you, if you always have it in mind, but it, you can't really go down, you know? Yeah. And that's, this is off the subject somewhat, but that's what always, it's what always amazes me. Like when I drive downtown a major city and I see all these little pop-up businesses that want to sell mattresses or want to sell whatever, whatever, you know, and you think, okay, how, how, uh, <laughs> what made you think it was a good idea to put that store right here in the, you know, where you did, right. how do you think you're <laughs> going to survive? They never do, you know, and that's, that goes back to the other old adage I learned on my first job at a board meeting. 
this old boy said, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. And that's, and that, I don't mean to sound so cliche, but you've got to, you know, you've got to have a game plan going into life. And, and those are, those are the things that's kind of helped me succeed at, at what I'm doing. Uh, another thing I want to mention real quick is the area I live in, straight south Des Moines on the Missouri line, south central Iowa, north central Missouri. It has been a highly enriched livestock show stock talent area. I mean, kind of like Flint, Michigan is for the Iowa State basketball team, kind of like, <laughs> you know, kind of like the islands are for baseball players. This area right here, and you're going to, I, I think a lot of people will, will really be surprised. Well, my neighbor across the pasture is Chucky McCullough. Okay. Does a lot of cutting clinics mm-hmm. uh-huh. in my 4-H club. The family in town that I grew up with, slightly younger, uh, went on to do all some minor things in the show cattle industry. That'd be Tracy Gretzka. <laughs> Never heard and of him. The other little, little the, the other, not little, the other guy up the road in the neighboring county, he kind of did the exact same thing ahead of us, and that'd be Kirk Sturwall. Gee whiz. So you you get all the, you know, it's just, it's almost like it's in the ground here. It's almost like it's in the blood. And and then you watch the younger generations come up through there and, and do great things. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a pride. It's a, it's, it's a pride for our, uh, for our way of living here. And, and, uh, anyway, uh, I'll move on. What, what else are we going to talk about here? Well, I, I'm really interested to know, you know, I, I hope this doesn't come off wrong, but there's a lot of livestock photographers out there trying to make their way. So what made you say, you know, okay, I was shy at 11 years old to be in a 4-H group. I didn't want to buy candy from the clerk. So what made you say, you know what, livestock photography is my thing and this is why I'm interested in it. Tell me that story of how you got started and and really, I mean, you kind of told us the, the show side of things, but as a profession, what made you kind of jump into that industry? Well, let me, you asked me earlier why I, I was respected or why I thought I was respected or some, something to that effect. And part of it's age, but the, the, the second part of it is, and I don't mean to sound arrogant or cocky, uh, but I've done it all. I, I literally have done it all. I started out coming right out of that eighties farm crisis and I had no money, nor did I want to, uh, borrow any money. And I started what was called the Pasture to Purple program. And in that, we, we are a cattle-rich country right around here, uh, more so then than now probably. But I start, I, I had friends. I know everybody around here. And, and I knew who had the good cow herds. And I went to them. And this is when the feeder cattle market was, you know, five $600 tops per head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I went to them. I said, hey, I got an idea. How about I AI your cattle for free? You pay for the semen. I get all the calves and we split everything over market price. It's a, it, it's a, it's a no lose for either one of us. If they're not good enough, they go, they go in the feedlot. If they are, then we each make a little premium. And that went on for 20 years, um, 19 or 20. I can't remember whether I got to 20 or not. And it, and it, I've had people tell me it was the first, I, I don't get hung up on that. I, I don't know whether it was the first pasture sale, but uh, it had to be right there knocking at the door. Uh, it was definitely historical. And and so that was 19, uh, 1990 I started doing that. 
the very last pasture, you'll get a kick out of this, the very last pasture purple sale. This is when Breeders World was still a chat form that everybody was like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no show circuit. There was no Caldwell Willoughby. There was no whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I had the very last sale, 15 video clips, and I called it the P2P Cyber Sale. And I and I posted online little video clips of the cattle. And uh, I look back now and think, I think, wow, I had no idea what, what the future held. But yeah. You know, think it. Think of how we sell everything off video now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, anyway, wow. that's uh, and then then from there, I also started having bred heifer sales. Anyway, during uh, let me back up during the pasture purple sale for twenty years, I pictured my own stock. Okay, pictured it had uh, one of the first livestock websites called Cattle Call USA, nineteen ninety eight, and we eventually took this pasture purple sale online. Uh, at the end of the day, I would upgrade the uh, update the bidding uh, on each individual calf online. And, and there was pictures of the calves online and you say, whoop de doo Well, first of all, the internet basically was introduced to the livestock industry in about 1998. So it was not like today's mentality of pictures on the internet. This was like earth shattering. <laughs> I wish we had a sound bit of the dial up internet speed. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no. And, and that, that's the thing that I appreciate most greatly every day is how far we've come. You know, I can't wait for 5G for one thing. 4G is awesome. Can't wait for 5G just to see, just to see how far we've come. And, uh, but anyway, there was that. And I pictured every calf, every calf, generally 50 head in the sale for that. And then we moved in, I moved into the no bull bread heifer sale, had it for 10 or 12 years, pictured every individual in that sale. And uh, my, my, my mentality was if you don't have a picture of them there for people to look at, they're going to automatically discount them and think they're not worth, mm-hmm. worth uh, buying. So, and then here's the fun fact about, about, about me. Whenever I'm done with something, whenever my give a shitter gets broke, I'm done. Okay. It broke in the bull promotion. It broke in the selling of the kids. It broke in the bread heifers. And so right after that, Basically, I was trying to figure out where I was going next. And that's, that's, uh, Chad Holtkamp called me, said, Hey, uh, actually, Chad Holtkamp and Scott Campbell both called about the same time, said, Hey, we know you can picture. Uh, can you come over here and, and, uh, do that? I said, Well, yeah. I said, I'll, I'll do it. I don't want to do it for a living, but I'll do it. And then, well, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> and then the birth of Jay Bradley Hook, professional photography and video. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. So when you started that, that business, I mean, you know, you get a couple calls from, from some guys early on and then, you know, was it a marketing effort that helped you or is it mostly word of mouth and people seeing, you know, and knowing that you've kind of done it for a while anyway on your own stuff? Well, that's a good question. I will tell you this right now in the decade I've been filming, I have not advertised one penny. Wow. Okay. It's all been word of mouth. And here's, here's what I tell, here's what I tell everybody young or everybody trying to start an upstart business, giving a shit about the other person's product, no matter what it is, every time you're doing something, every time, not, Oh, I got a hangover. Oh, I'm having a bad or My wife just, I don't feel like doing this. I'm going to get it done and run on. You can't do that because 
That's how your respect is destroyed. Mm. You have to care about every product that you do. And that's, that's one thing that I learned selling calves. It's one thing I learned selling semen. It's one thing I learned selling breads. We guaranteed in our bread ever sale, we we were one of the only ones I knew. We guaranteed that our, our claim to fame on that sale was we guaranteed every female AI bread to the day. No cleanup bills, no nothing. And so whenever you reach out and you're you're honest every time and you guarantee your product every time, and if you do screw up and something ain't right and you back up your word with either a check back or or, uh, you know, purchase, uh, you can purchase, take that money towards the purchase next year. I can't think of the proper term, but credit, uh, credit. Yeah. Uh, you know, that spreads like wildfire fire. All people want to basically all people want to be is treated fairly. And, uh, so I've tried to do that in every aspect of my life from the time I was, you know, old enough to know, um, till now. And, and that's, that's why, and the other thing in the in the livestock photographer deal, and, and this is certainly not a slam at anybody or anything. The thing that makes me the most unique in the livestock photography world, or or partly unique, is that they know that it's going to be me that shows up at their picture pin every year. Okay, there's no lottery of different photographers that are going to go in and take care of you. It, it's me every year. It's me processing. It's me doing everything. It's me holding their hand, getting them through the, the nervousness of a sale. And, and I, because I have been there because I'd done it for 20 years, I know exactly what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's, I, after I started doing it, uh, just like basically everything in my, else in my life, I, I can be dead set against something. And then all of a sudden the, the switch flips and I think, boy, you know, that ain't bad. Uh, I actually got to kind of enjoying it. And then, well, now I'm booked every day for 10 months straight. So, <laughs> so okay, this is, a, this is a stat you probably don't know or maybe would even scare you if you did know. Do you, but I would like to, like to get a percentage or maybe a, a number on how many, uh, how many head of cattle you picture a year. You know, I get asked that a lot. And I really, I could tell you exactly. I really need to sit down and count just one time because I do get asked that a lot. Um, I'm guessing... I'm guessing close to 5,000. Oh, wow. Uh, buckets. I've got a sale or two, Chris Black's. Uh, I mean, I do right at 600 for him. Right. So right. That's crazy. Alone. And he's definitely my biggest customer. But And, and then there's other uh, Brett Heffer guys, Jimmy Martin. You know, I do uh, 250 for him at a time. And, and you know, it's it, it, it adds up. But then, then also you set in and you do a lot of 10 and 12s and 15s and whatever. And, and, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, I enjoy it. And when I don't enjoy it, you won't see me doing it anymore, you know? Right. Uh, but, uh, I enjoy it. My body's still, body's still hanging in there. And, uh, as long as that, that, that happens, I, I guess that's as good as you can ask life to be. So, Hey, I've, I've seen your Instagram. You look like you're in pretty good shape. Well, that's a, that's a whole different story. Uh, I'm in pretty good shape because I wasn't in pretty good shape. And and that's, if if you're on snap and I'm going to tell you right now, I've, I've got 10,000 plus Instagram followers and I'm sure they feel pretty well ignored because since snap, uh, I haven't done a very good job on my Instagram and, uh, uh, snap chat is so, so to the second 
And that, that is more friendly to my ADD. (laughs) (laughs) I I enjoy that to the second uh, response or, um, you know, conversation or whatever. Uh, Instagram, I love, don't get me wrong. And I need to post a bunch of cool, cool deals on Instagram, but. uh, Oh, well, I was kind of creeping on you before here, just studying up. So uh, I don't sound too dumb, but. Um, I laughed my ass off at some of those videos of them guys trying to get their head right and they jump over the damn gate. Oh man, you capture every bit of that. I, I, hey, good livestock's good livestock when you picture them right. Yeah, but boy, that's that's some good stuff right there. That that I'm just gonna be honest with you. It, it's filming. I mean, I take Thanksgiving off. I think take Christmas off, and there's maybe a handful of days from from August 11th till June 1st that I can actually physically take off. But I, but everybody wants to film on a weekend, so there's definitely no weekends. But what my point in saying that is, that is the, <laughs> that's the main thing that keeps me motivated. Yeah, <laughs> I, <bet so. laughs> I mean, <laughs> and trying to make that person not me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I have got, and I, believe it or not, I and I really should take this serious, and maybe when I slow down, my body gives out, I will. But I've had a lot of people want me to do like a coffee book table um, with those with those series of pictures and the stories behind it. And, and I re- before I get Alzheimer's, I really need to do that because there is some <laughs> funny stories to be told. Well, um, you may have some friends that own a podcast that you may be able to do that with. So well, there we go. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, would like to bring something to your attention. So pause for a moment. Turn It Up is a product that has been developed by our good buddy and good friend from Ohio, Dr. Todd Price. Turn It Up is a product made to drive appetite in pigs needing to gain weight and help all pigs continue to eat through the stress of moving, showing, and exposure to other sick animals. Over two-thirds of a pig's immune system is in the gut. So... Keeping the pig's gut healthy is extremely important. Turn It Up is a unique blend of yeast cell, wall extract, a probiotic, and direct appetite stimulant. All pigs showing should receive this product two weeks pre-fair and through the day of the show to ensure that they are at 12 o'clock on show day. Thank you. Go buy some Turn It Up on the website, stocktalk-podcast.com. Thank you. So is uh, rodeo clown your future, or what's the deal there? <laughs> well, well, I, n- no, it's not. I was a rodeo <laughs> clown a couple times this past year with a a bred heifer that could have sent me into the middle of next week with a mule kick and chose not to. Why I have no idea. Oof. And then, <laughs> then I was filming at Angus, and it was cold, and they had wind breaks up, and there was it was like forty yards long, and they give me a break in the middle. And then there was fence on the opposite ends. And I'd been on this fall bull for like 15 minutes and he was fine. And the next thing I know that idiot spun and come right at me. And I was right in the middle of my escape. <laughs> and, and there was wind breaks up them South Dakota type wind breaks that have them legs sticking out. Yeah. And all I remember is in my mind saying, do not trip over that leg as I'm backpedaling away from this bull trying to eat my ass. <laughs> well, the minute it entered my mind, I tripped, landed on my back with this bull coming right in on top of me. I got my $10,000 camera in my right arm, <laughs> stiff in the air behind me. Trying to keep it 
and I got on these Cabela boots and I'm thinking if I can kick him in the eye socket as he's on top of me, that's my best chance. And luckily this ginger ninja from Alabama come <laughs> flying in with a stick and before the bull ever touched me, got him off of me and, and I was fine. And I mean, my ginger gut was ninja. <laughs> but, uh, oh my. yeah, so that, that's, that was my wake up call to, uh, to act like a 54 year old. And, and really I did really, it wasn't my fault. I, I, I don't think, but uh, anyway. All right. Who's, who's the ginger ninja. We need to give him a shout out. Oh, Brian. Does he know he's a ginger ninja? Oh yeah, he does. All right. Yeah, I well, thank him my life every time. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the ginger ninja for saving bread. So we could have him on the show today. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was, I think it's, I'll have to look it up. I think it's Brian. Crow, maybe, or I can't remember. I, I meet oh. so many people, and, and that's uh, awesome. Anyway, that's hilarious. Yeah, Chef. what else? Let's jump into topics from a hat. Let's do that. Hey. Topics from a hat, my friend, is going to be fun because, as we said before, uh, there's a lot of people who want to hear from you. So, Corey, by all means. Well, as you folks know, if you've been listening along. Topics from a Hat is brought to you by our friends at Fierce Threads. And the only hat and apparel that we get embroidered is from our good folks at Fierce Threads. Fierce Threads is your number one source for high-quality screen printing and embroidery. Put your business success at the forefront and upgrade to your apparel a day today Excuse me, with Fierce Threads. Speaking of Pat McAfee show, they have a guy on that show uh, whose name is Zito. He does all their production uh, work and things. Yes. And when he does ad reads, he literally it takes him five minutes to get through about four sentences for an ad read because it's he's hilarious. so much to read. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's only hilarious because it reminds me of myself. Uh, you know, me and words don't get along. So yeah. Well, I just stumbled a little bit there, so I felt bad. So sorry, fierce. You're still we still love you. Um, They're still badass. Yeah. <laughs> so um, topic number one, Brad. This comes from uh, one of our Canadian listeners. Believe it or not. And uh, so Sam from Canada wants to know a few different things. What's it like on picture day? What works best and what doesn't? And what all goes into getting them ready for pictures and the different setups it takes to get the right shots? Well, here, here's to start this out. Here, here's a funny, funny deal that just, just randomly hit me about last year after I'd been picturing about eight or nine years. The 20 years I pictured baby calves for the pasture purple sale we were in a small pen why i don't know because that's the first thing that pisses me off nowadays is a small pen uh-huh. and uh, i had to laugh at, at my own ignorance uh i think it was actually as i was tearing down that old pen <laughs> one of the main questions is people ask me what size is an ideal size for me and i always tell them 25 yards, yards, not feet, yards deep, north to west, north to south, 35 yards east to west. And, and the reason being is you cannot, if you're going to get a good, relaxed picture of an animal, they cannot feel threatened. They cannot feel captured. You know, they cannot feel forced into something. And mm-hmm. so that's what you're doing when you're in on top of them in a small pen and, and so I just kind of had to laugh out loud at my own ignorance uh, for 20 years. Uh, and that's, that's the first thing uh, I tell people is make sure, make sure walk out there with the sun to your back 
and make sure that picture pin is in the right spot and the and the and the angles are right and the levels as good as you can possibly get it for your for your place and um that's that's where we start yeah um, and then uh what was it what what was the other question um what works best and what doesn't so i guess we can go we can okay, go along with that continue. um what works best is a crew that knows what in the world they're doing <laughs> to be honest with you <laughs> that's what works best. Uh, good cattle people. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not bashing any, any newbies out there that's trying, but, uh, I ran into Dave Geyer, Mr. Mr. Show circuit uh, last year. And you know, Dave, he's mm-hmm. Mr. Animated and we, yeah. and I don't know how many years, 25 years, probably. Um, he said, hook, I don't get it. I said, you don't get what he said. I don't get how you get more done than about, most of the other photographers combined. I said, what are you talking about? He says, number ahead sales. He says, you'll have three fourths of the sales in any given night. I said, yeah. I said, well, I can answer that for you, Dave. First of all, I'm a, I'm a 54 year old man whose kids are growed. And this is all I'm doing 24 seven. Second of all, about every place I go to, I've been going there for anywhere from five to 10 years. And I said, you ever play pickup basketball? You ever play organized basketball or football? I said, whenever you have a team that's played together for a number of years, everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be blowing or getting ears or bringing them to the pen or whatever. And that's, that's kind of the beauty of having done it now for, I guess, a decade is we're all on the same page. And, uh, that's, that's the beauty of my customers. Uh, they're all, they're all family. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of, everybody says, you know, how much you charge? And I said, well, I charge 60 bucks a head for picture and video. That's the same as I charged day one. I said, I'm too chicken to tell these basically family members that I'm gonna, that I'm going to increase my price, which in all reality, 60 bucks a head guys, that's enough. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's enough. You're going to have no sales. You're going to have, you know, whatever, whatever. But, um, uh, so that's, that's the other key is just everybody having a role. Well, the main key of it is having enough help. And I hear that oh, yeah. more than I hear anything. You know, we just can't get, can we do it on Saturday? So we got the kids home from school or can we, and, and unfortunately my schedule doesn't allow that every time. And, and I will certainly do it if we can, but uh, just having enough help, having people know what they're supposed to do. It doesn't take rocket scientists to, to act like a fool and get ears or to, or to keep one out of a corner and to make sure he's getting pushed into the right angle or, or whatever. But, uh, so speaking of getting the ears, uh, as, as I was creeping on your Instagram, I'm, I'm noticing this monkey mask deal. That's uh that pops up frequently. Is there a story behind that? <laughs> that? That was an awesome, that was an awesome, awesome photo shoot. Uh, Michael Griner getting his ass ate with that. <laughs> 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 on going over the fence. I got like, I'm guessing 10 or 12 shots. And I really need to blow that up big for him and, and give that to him as a, as a Christmas present. But that was, uh, I don't know whether that was, that's the first time I encountered the monkey mask was, was with Michael Griner and Graves and them guys. They had a Brett Heifer sale up there. And, uh, I don't, I don't, that was about the time Walmart was selling them. And I don't know whether there was a buddy of his or two that had them before that, or I don't know how it all came about, but, but it, it would either really, really work good 
or really, really piss them off. (laughs) 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 And, uh, that was the uh, that was the fun part of it, but uh, oh my! And so we went went to using that. Michael Griner is one of my favorite ear getters since we're on that. He is so fast and so athletic. He's like a he's like a blue healer dog, except he knows <laughs> when to quit and when not to. And I have literally seen him. He's like five uh, ten, five nine ten, probably one hundred and forty five pounds. And I don't know whether he was an athlete or not, but he is quick as lightning. And I have seen him get mad at a cow that wouldn't hit the picture post. I've seen her him chase the cow, run around the cow as she's moving, stop her, and get ears. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Him and him and Kevin Benish, Ryan Mesh, uh, there's just a certain breed of individual that that can get ears really, really, I mean, like Michael Jordan ish next level good. And and then there's others that they're good. And then there's others that really suck. And that's, you know, that's why I have a game call with me at all times. Um, uh, what you don't realize is, uh, you, you may think I'm just trying to make you look like a fool. You're making your income out there being a fool. Yeah. Get a good picture without them cattle getting a little freaked out or getting a little, getting on point. And, and that's, uh, that's how important that ear getter is. And, and I can't, I, I make sure everybody knows that going into the game. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird little profession I'm in. I mean, uh, I don't imagine many other podcasts talk about guys in monkey mask trying to, trying to get cattle to look at them. But, uh, no, if they do, they're probably involved in murder mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would. Uh, yeah. So back to Sam's question, uh, and something I'm interested to see, you know, you see some guys that, uh, have different setups, you know, some guys just kind of get out there and do it with their hat on backwards and, and the crew around them. Some guys, uh, you know, have a backo and dig a hole. Uh, what, what's your preference and, and maybe have you tried it all yet or? Well, you just have to adapt. I mean, when you're booked every day in fighting rain and everything else, you just have to adapt to what you got in front of you. And if it doesn't go as good as uh, you hoped, you tell them, you tell them what they need to improve for the next sale and you hope they do it. And if they don't, they get what they deserve. You know, uh, my biggest thing is I will not ever, ever, ever chew anybody's ass, period. We're a team in there. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long, hot day. If you got 30 or 35 head, we all need to laugh and we all need to have a good time. And I, I have heard so many stories, especially when I was starting up, and I'm not going to mention any names, about guys that was just complete dicks in the in the pen and chewing ass and this, that, and the other. And you know what? The way I look at it, you're paying me to be there. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm working with you. Why do I have to become an emperor on a throne and demand, you know, yeah, we got to get what I need, but um, we don't have to, we got, we got to have fun doing it, you know? And, and, uh, and so that's, that's the, I think that's why, I'm booked every day, to be honest with you. I don't know. I think I take a fair picture, but I think I'm probably just pretty fun to be around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't met you in person and over the microphone, I'm having a blast right now. So it makes sense to me. We're not even, we're not even close to being done either. That's the fun. Yeah. (laughs) So, so we do have a, about the picture pen or, Oh, the other, let me, let me tell you the other thing. And, uh, 
this is the only way I know to say this. And once again, I am in no way, shape or form racist. Uh, I told you the black deal was from the jerk. I'm going to say something now, the way that I figure out the angles in the only, and I need to come up with a better analogy. This is in no way, shape or form meant racist. Whenever I'm trying to figure out the angle of a calf, I stand with my back to the sun and I stick my arm straight out in front of me like a Hitler salute. Now, in no way, shape, form, I'm trying to get in your head the way I want you to stand. Okay. Okay. Evil man. So stand there with your arm and fingertips straight and take it side to side like a drunk driving test. You know, like they want you to do there side to side, watch your shadow side to side. And that is the exact route for the best light that that calf can have on its body. Okay. So, so the reason why it has to be an exact route is because you get an ear shadow, you get an ear shadow back to into the heart girth. You get, um, you know, you get all kinds of weird stuff that, uh, uh, if you're not paying attention, and I think that's probably what makes my picture stand out a little bit more, because I use the sun every time to its yeah. fullest, you know, and uh, and we work hard. We work hard to get them to that point in with that kind of light, and uh, so that's 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 one little tip. Any anything else? Uh, getting about? them prepped, getting them prepped for photos. Do you run them through the pen beforehand just to get them used to it, or use it? You know, Dave Dykes does that out there, and, and I I really probably think it helps. Uh, that's one of my customers that does it. I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, completely honest with you, most of the guys are running so far behind, they wouldn't even dream of doing it because they're not that organized. <laughs> I mean, they might be that organized, but they just, you know how things go. You, you've got to run, go do something before you can, you can rinse or, you, or this or the other. And they, I, I think it's a good idea. And in the same breath, I think it's a bad idea. Um, I think it's a good idea if you got one that's a little woofy and you're afraid you might just come in and bounce off the fences. I think it's a bad idea if you got one that's a that's dog gentle and a deadhead. I think he needs to go into a completely fresh new surrounding and, and try and be alert as he's going to be for the next 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, so that's I'm that's personal preference in, in the grooming end of it, the fitting end of it. I'm the photographer. I'm not the fitter. I mean, I can, I fit for years, but that's to me, that's not my, uh, that's not my uh, business. That's your business. I personally, I hate, I hate it when they bone baby calves, mm-hmm. hate it. I just think it looks fake. I, I hate, unless they're really, really, really broke good. I hate doing them on the halter because I think it can look a little bit staged. Um, I just like it when a good calf goes out there, gets a little bit woofed up, not mad enough to fight, just a little woofed up, sticks that head straight in the air, throws them ears forward, and tries to figure out where in the world he is and what in the world you're trying to do to him. And then I click uh, six frames a second for about 30 seconds, and we move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, Good ones are easy to picture, too. I mean, they Bang. Yeah, they are. I mean, well, you hope they are because they, you need, obviously you need a good picture of your best. Yeah. And that, that's probably one of the most frustrating things for me is whenever the guy says, Hey, this is my best one. We got to get him and we can't get him. He refused right. to let us get got. So, um, you know, and, and one other thing, as I said earlier, I'm a little ADD and as these things pop in my head, I'm just going to spit them out. You bet. Another thing is, you cannot believe, and you're going to, this sounds like a freaking weird old man. You cannot believe how the sign of the moon 
has so much effect on the attitude of the cattle on on picture day. <laughs> and I'm not joking one bit. Uh, it's probably a good thing. I don't know how to read that because there's days I would not show up probably. Uh, <laughs> the sign of the moon is bad. It is a miserable day. And I mean miserable being two to three an hour, uh, wow. which I consider horrible. And then if the moon's good, there's days you can do seven, eight an hour, you know, maybe even 10 on some days, uh, depending on the distance, you know, to the picture pen and how easy accessible they are. But that's just part of it that nobody really thinks about. And uh, anything else on that topic? No, I think we got Sam's topics. Awesome. That was pretty good. We do have one more. We we uh we actually already mentioned this one, but it was specifically made for Brad Hook. So we're definitely going to get this in here. Morgan hey, message. Yeah, can I say one more thing to Sam in Canada? Yeah, he really needs he really needs to go visit um, the statue of Raymond Ganey up there. It is phenomenal. They've done a great job with it. Uh, the light the the likeliness of Raymond is I mean right down to the to the Air Jordans. It's it's awesome. So <laughs> wow. He needs to go visit that. All right, Sam, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. You're a dedicated listener. There you go <laughs> from, from Brad himself. <laughs> uh, but we do have another one. It is for you, my friend. And Morgan on Facebook specifically asked for this topic. And you can weigh in however you, you feel fit. How do you feel about the screenshots of other photographers' watermarks and photos being posted all over social media after a show? Or what about the breeders that uh, use those watermarks, unpaid screenshots to promote themselves? Well, that's an easy answer for me. And maybe probably not the angle you think I'm going to take. Let me clarify this by saying I absolutely despise backdrop picturing. Okay. You will not ever see me unless I have to for a good friend taking a backdrop picture or, uh, or a ring picture. Uh, those people are, are a different mentality. I love them all. I'm not, I'm not downgrading it, uh, at, at, at whatsoever. I love those. I know all of them and they do a super job. That is just not my cup of tea. It's a completely different, uh, horse of a different color. Um, they are somewhat, uh, at the public's mercy to buy their product. I don't like be, ever being at the public's mercy. I like to do my job, get a check when I drive out of the driveway and move on. This being said, <clears throat> the the watermarks on the picture showing up all over social media is, is a is a it, it's a two headed dragon. One, it makes you look like a cheap ass if you're posting it, which has become some I think really become somewhat acceptable, um, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but number two, the flip side of that is every time you post that with with a photographer's logo on your website. They are getting advertisement. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, so I'm not, if, if I'm them, which I'm not, and I don't certainly, like, like I say, I certainly don't want to make any of them mad, but it, it's a, it, it's just a, it's a double-edged sword and I'm, they got to make a living. That's what it all boils down to. The, if the people ever want the, if they ever want the picture in printable quality, then they got to buy it. That's all there is to it. Right. But, um, uh, it, it's just, um, it's just what I said. The, the, you should never, let me go back to the breeders using those on ads. You should never, ever, ever, ever. In fact, I'd probably sue you if, if you used a print, which it wouldn't be good enough quality for one thing. So it'd look like 
it looked horrible. Uh, you should never use a, 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 a one of those prints. And I, I don't know that I ever see very many people do it. Use it in a print ad. That's that's totally unacceptable. Right. And uh, but um, yeah, social media. It, it just like I say, when I started 1998, the internet had just started uh, in the livestock industry. So I have I have had the pleasure and the agony of watching everything progress. Okay, through through a set of eyes that, you know, anybody younger than 54 probably can't imagine. But uh, anyway, does that answer that question? Oh, yeah. Very good. Yep. Nailed it. Um, so, folks, continue uh, to send in your topics from a hat. We appreciate all of you that have done so. We've got quite a few more in uh, that we are, are anxious to get out to the public, but one episode at a time. So send us your topics from and a hat. And we promise to get you more cattle content we understand we are very pig heavy right now we apologize for that we are going cattle heavy next okay so uh into the next thing that we'd like to discuss so moving on um this is an interesting topic and trevor i don't know if you thought of this or what um when you sent this to me uh, this outline that we're working off of to me i was like oh boy this could this could get interesting um, so Brad, uh, let's, let's talk about the morals of Photoshop. Um, how much is too much? What's the most ridiculous Photoshop things you've seen? Um, maybe, maybe just, uh, some of the best job, Photoshop jobs you've seen. I don't know. Uh, we can get into all that kind of stuff if you'd like. So I'll let you sure. just kind of take that how you want to. Uh, actually, I, 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 I love to talk about Photoshop. Um, I, in fact, even if it's not brought up with my clients, I generally address it just because it's the elephant in the room. And, uh, as you figured out, I've got stories for everything. And, and, uh, Drake's buddy, Jesse Hoblin always says, did he tell any stories? Is he going to tell any stories in me or whether he actually wants to hear him, you know, but when you get this age, you have stories and, and, and the first time I ever saw Photoshop was never was whenever we had heat seeker and Scott coffee and I, uh, we were taking pictures of, of heat seeker with our, with our film camera. We'd take two or three rolls. We'd run to Des Moines to the one hour photo. We'd get them developed. We'd throw them all in the garbage and go back and rebone him and start <laughs> over again. Cause it wasn't good enough. Okay. So finally we thought, we and we'll talk. I think we're going to talk about heat seeker a little way later on. But we yes. thought we had a picture that that was going to work, and, and we didn't know anything about um, building ads or anything. That was that was all strictly up to the professionals back in nineteen ninety six or seven. And so we had a we had high V food stores here in Iowa had a had a uh, um, uh, an office up in Sheraton. Uh, well, no, it wasn't Hy-Vee. It was, uh, it was guys that done work for Hy-Vee. Mm. And for some reason I knew him. I already got his number and, and I said, Hey, would you build me a bull ad? Which he, he wouldn't have known a bull if it kicked him in the head, <laughs> but we got him the picture. We got him all the info. And the first, for those of you old enough to remember the first, the first heat seeker ad with like the, uh, the laser, uh, beam, um, targets on him, uh, that was built by this guy. And we were going, me and Scott were sitting there going over it. And he says, well, do you want me to clean these dust particles off of him? And I looked at Scott and I said, what, what, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> he said, I don't know. 
And I said, what are you talking about, Lee? He said, I can, I can take that, those dust particles off of it if you want me to. Okay. All right. Let's, let's see you do that. I, I was thinking, Mr. Big Shot. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, he pulls up, I think it's probably like Adobe Photoshop 4. And he puts the old clone over it and he starts taking off all these, these, uh, uh, just little bitty white dust particles. That's all it was. Okay. And that's all he done to the picture. And on the way home, the minute I walked out of that building, I looked at Scott and I said, do you realize what we just witnessed? Do you realize that in the wrong hands? Do you realize how far out of hand this could get and ruin an industry or wreck it or ruin credibility? He says, I know. He said, that was crazy, wasn't it? I mean, we were like kids in a candy store. We were giddy. And all we did, swear to God, all we did was take dust particles off that bull's picture. Uh, didn't take the holder off, didn't take nothing off. And so that was my first introduction to, to Photoshop. Fast forward, uh, shoot, 20, 20 years, uh, nearly 20 years. Here's what I tell every one of my clients. I say, Photoshop is a tool. It is just like the 15 sixteenths inch wrench in a farmer's toolbox. That farmer can take that wrench out. And he can go over that tractor that's got loose lug nuts, which I'm, I, I, I hate machinery. I have no idea whether it's 15, 16, or one. <laughs> Just stay with me on the point. He can go over and he can tighten up them loose lug nuts and he can save himself a big wreck. Okay. Or he can set his arm for midnight. He can get up. He can go out hopping his pickup with that toolbox. He can run down to the neighbor's house. He can grab that 15, 16 inch wrench. Neighbors on vacation. He can bust out a window, jump in there, rob everything he has of that guy's, and go back. Mm. Same tool, same, mm-hmm. same exact tool. Does one thing right, does one thing wrong. You know what? You, do you know what the difference in that tool is? It's the guy's morals. Okay. Yeah. It's the guy using the tools morals. Yep. Now, we have seen a lack thereof for the most part. Whenever Photoshop is mentioned, that's all that pops in 99.9% of people's minds. Well, what did you do to that one? Right. You know, rightfully so. I'm not going to argue that one bit. Here is my side of it. I'm the good guy using the tool. Oh, you use Photoshop? Yeah, I use Photoshop. Duh. I'm a professional photographer. Yeah. <laughs> you, buddy. you remember your senior picture? Your skin wasn't that clear and your eyes weren't that bright. So don't. (laughs) (laughs) So my philosophy on Photoshop is, is if it can have been done with a blower, a comb, uh, or whatever else tool that any set of clippers, then I have absolutely no problem correcting that mistake. Uh, and the other thing is, I'm not going to stress an animal on a hot 110 heat index day for 20 to 30 more minutes, ruin his lungs, because I want him to put a hind leg back a little further. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that is my way of thinking on Photoshop. I, and let me tell you something, audience. You're as guilty as anyone to making the photographers do that. And here's why, and I'm not being mean here. I'm just saying when you're scrolling down 500 online sales a night, you are picking out the best pictures that hit you in the mouth and you click on. I always tell everybody, 
The picture is to get them to click on the video. The video is to sell the calf. Oh, I like that. Honest to God truth. The picture is to get them to click on the video. The video is to get them to buy the calf. But here's where it backfires on them. You can't have a big old bubble ass on a 600-pound calf, (laughs) click on the video, and his ass is inverted. Yeah. You know? He has no ass. You cannot do that. And I think... That was our problem in the beginning. I think as time has progressed, I think we all realize that. I think we, if you've done it, I think you've had your ass chewed enough not to do it by viewers, buyers, owners. Uh, I, I think we're, I think we're at a pretty good state right now. I do still think some pictures are being over photoshopped um, by certain individuals, but. I'm not, I'm not, that's, I'm not that way. I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to, you know, let's just, let's just use our head is what I'm going to say. So. That, I love the, the, the wrench theory. That's, that's just like, you know, guns don't kill people. People holding right. the guns kill people. Exactly. Yep. Folks, Hoff Schulte Genetics, first prospect online sale is coming to you August 4th, hosted by showpig.com. This offering will have about 50 head across as perfect for those January shows, Phoenix, Denver, uh, the Southeast Regional, you name it. it. They will be sired by hogs like never before, Teen Spirit, Lit Fuse. Um, good stock. Check out the Hulf Schulte Genetics Facebook for updates. Hogs are now ready for viewing, so go on over there and set up an appointment. Call the Hulf Schulte Genetics to make sure you guys can view those animals selling on August 4th. They are looking forward to that sale. Back to the show. So you mentioned Heat Seeker, and this has actually, um, I kind of leaked out the information that we're going to have you on. And they're like, dude, you have to get him to talk about Heat Seeker and the story behind it because it's awesome. Well, I'm dying to know. Well, Heat Seeker was, you know, he, here's the th- <laughs> here's the thing that I have to keep in my head. Uh, and here's a prime example. I, I love Snapchat. I, I think I, I have, I, the only way you know exactly how many Snapchat followers you've got is if you count every letter in the alphabet in the people below it. Okay. I, I, you can get a feel by how many views you have a day, but it's just like everything else. Not everybody's going to look every day. So I'm guessing, strictly guessing four to 5,000, uh, Snapchat viewers. And I, I know like, 2%. Right. <laughs> I, I, I talk to anybody and everybody and, uh, and I love to, it's just me. So, uh, this kid, this 20 something year old kid that I've watched grow up out in Ohio, he snapped me, <laughs> he snapped me a picture of a guy at a goat show. And he says, uh, I asked this kid if he knew who Brad hook was. He said, yeah. Isn't he that old man that takes pictures? <laughs> <laughs> and he was laughing his ass off and it, Pissed me off right off the bat. I said, you tell that punk, this old man's going to kick his ass right up. <laughs> and I was joking, of course, but, and, and it kind of sunk in. You know what? The, those, these generations now, they don't know me. They don't know me for any, anything other than taking pictures. They don't know that I had a calf sale for 20 years. They don't know that I promoted 40 bulls of many different breeds with many national champions and many, I mean, they don't know that. So. So this is, this is one reason why, and I'm not looking for pats on the back. I'm not looking for notary. I'm not looking for anything. I love history. I love people to know the history of whatever they're passionate Mm -hmm. about. And uh, and that's why I really, 
jumped at the chance to be on your podcast just just to get some of this out there. But anyway, Heat Seeker, um, this goes back to the Pasture to Purple program I was talking about earlier. I had about five, six, seven herds that I just made a circle every night in my wife's 1982 Silver Chevette hatchback. Silver Chevette hatchback. Hatchback was broke. I used a pitchfork to hold the hatchback open while I pulled the human tank out. Okay. <laughs> Got that picture, kind of like then, kind of Joe Dirtish, actually. Just picture me as Joe Dirt. <laughs> Was there a mullet involved? So, uh, I I tried. My hair never would grow oh, good enough. Nah. So I, I should have been flexured instead, I guess. But uh, I wanted a mullet bad, don't you think? I didn't. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, Heat seeker come out of one of my pasture purple herds, and it was a very unique herd. Uh, normally, I got the semen. AI'd the cows, as I mentioned earlier, this guy enjoyed AIing the cows. And so I, I would get the semen. I would drive through his cows. I would write down tag number 23 needs to be bred to the bull. Uh, and I'd give him the whole sheet and he would just take care of it, which, and he didn't want to paid for it. He didn't want to, you know, he just enjoyed doing it. I said, awesome. Had a couple boys at home that would help him. And that was just one stop I didn't have to make that night. And while in that, uh, process of determining what to breed his cows to. They were they were the wild card. They were all shorthorn based. He had originated from uh, Wyoming, and, and he had brought some of those Wyoming genetic the shorthorn genetics back in the nineteen uh, seventies back with him. And I'm sitting out there on a four wheeler. You're going to get a big kick out of this. I'm sitting out there on a four wheeler, and these cows are all kind of looking at me and wondering what I'm doing. And I'm studying, and I'll, I'm looking at the ground for some reason. All of a sudden, I see like four inches of leg hair hanging off of a cow. This is at the time when there was no hair on nothing. Okay. Nothing. I look around a little longer. There's another one. There's another one. I get up to like five or six cows and they're black, but you can tell they got short horn in them and they all got four and five inches of leg hair. So I called, uh, I called this guy and I said, uh, Hey, tell me the sires of, 45, 23, 114, da-da-da, da-da-da. All the same exact sire. I about fell off the four-wheeler. <laughs> I was stunned, stunned. And in my mind, just races at these kind of moments. And I thought, I got to tell somebody. Got it. So I called Bob May. And he answered the phone. and said, what are you doing? I said, ah, you're going to think I'm weird. I said, I'm sitting out in the pasture here and I, I am seeing something that I have no idea what is, <laughs> but my the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. My gut is churning and I, it's going to change an industry, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know. And uh, he says, well, whatever it is, I'm in. And, in in you know, we talked a little bit and hung up. Obviously, I think you guys can figure out what I was seeing there. Yeah. <laughs> The TH gene. Yep. The TH gene, that was basically my discovery, basically not the discovery, but one of the first discoveries of the TH gene. Me and Dr. John Beaver became best buddies. We were on phone conversations nearly daily after this. And uh, so that was one fun thing in my life that I can say I was truly a part of, regardless whether you love it or you hate it. You know as well as I do, unless you're slick shearing in Texas, about 125% of the winners have it. <laughs> that is <Yeah>. wild. <laughs> uh, anyway, so fast forward, same herd. Um, 
got him got him to bull semen for this little almost milking shorthorn looking small framed uh solid red shorthorn purebred cow and uh so at, he calved them all and after they were calved the next year me and scott coffee again uh went over uh he he worked during the day, the owner worked during the day and so me and scott just we just made our rounds to see how many head we was going to have for the pasture purple sale scott coffee was like my right hand man and he farmed on his own but he he was single and enjoyed enjoyed this you know the club calf deal and we walk about oh, a half three quarter of a mile back in a field and all of a sudden this little bitty hairy 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 black well brown calf comes running up from the bottom of the hill, over the top of the hill, right at us with his tail stuck straight in the air. And on the tip of the tail was a white tip. And I said, what is that? <laughs> Scott says, I don't know, but I think it's our next promotion bull. <laughs> and I said, well, you're probably right. Cause this was a, this was the year after who made who had hit. Oh, it okay. yeah. And I always remembered Hilbert and Lautner saying the little bulls are the best breeders. The little bulls are the best breeders. And they were, they were probably right because at that time, all we had was big cows. Okay. Mm. Or, well, we had, pon- we had pony Angus cows or we had ginormous Kianina cross cows. And, the, and their, their motto was, was always little bulls breed the truest. And that's all that come in my head is heat seeker, which eventually was heat seeker come running over the hill. And one thing led to another. Uh, we sold him in the pasture purple sale. He brought 52 uh, 52 and 5,200, I believe, or 52 and a half for half of him. And, uh, Scott coffee and Larry Campbell bought him. Uh, then we had to have a name. I was at the Appanoose County fair, went down to watch a buddy of mine who has a pulling tractor and we were sitting on his, uh, sitting on his, uh, low boy. And I hear a tractor start up. And I look over and there's this red international and on the side of it says heat seeker. And I immediately picked up my phone. And I called coffee and I said, Hey, uh, you know, that name we was looking for, I got it. And, uh, was, was there any, no, nobody to. even tried to change your mind. That was it. I mean, no, no, no. When you, it's, you know, sometimes you name an animal and you think, boy, that he probably deserves a better name. I just can't, I'm in a funk. I can't think there, the minute I seen that, that bull was heat seeker. There wasn't no two ways around it. There wasn't nobody argued. There wasn't <laughs> nothing. It was just, uh, that was him. That is awesome. But, but uh, then obviously he went ahead and, and uh, changed the industry, um, sired Heatwave, who sired Monopoly. So uh, who sired, I don't know who's doing the, the you know bulk of it now. But anyway, the, the moral of the story is basically every champion that goes through a state fair has a, has a good old heat seeker in him. Everybody wants to know, uh, so, so just tell me, how much semen did you actually sell? Well, we sold every drop. That's the answer. Yeah. We sold every drop till he stifled himself and uh, had to be put down. I think, you know, he was a crossbred bull. He wouldn't go much over 300, 400 units a week. I think the best we figured out, there was roughly 27,000 a year sold. For how, many, for how many years? The only difference now, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, three or four years had a Jeez. good run uh, before, he, before he went down. And the only difference between now and what Wade Rogers is doing is our dealer cost was eight instead of, I don't know what Wade's is, but I'm guessing it's probably 18 or somewhere. You know, uh, we were eight and 15 retail. Uh, not going to lie. We went to the mailbox about, Oh, I don't know. 
every two, three weeks and pulled out a $60,000 check. And, and, uh, and it was just really, really fun. That's that, that pool you see in my snaps. That, that was thanks to. Heat and, uh, <laughs> okay. So that's, awesome. and I don't really seen online the, um, the thing I was led to do when, when I found out my good friend, Larry Campbell was uh, dying with cancer and, and it kind of tells his story and the heat seeker story. And, and probably the, the coolest part, well, I don't know if it's cool, but probably one of the nicest thing about that story was he told me, he says, that bull paid for all four of my kids' college. That's wow. wild. Okay. So, so remind, remind our audience what that bull was bought for just so they have that information in their back pocket to say, holy crap, it can be done. Well, it was a bid off. It was a pasture purple bid off, and and he closed out at fifty two fifty for half. Here's the whole story. Um, why the the owner the the guy that bred it and I kept half of him. Um, Larry Campbell and Scott Coffee bought the other half. We had display after we had displayed him in Denver Iowa Beef Expo. Uh, Hoosier Beef Congress was the first place he displayed. Uh, after we'd done that, run our ads and everything, um, I presented everybody their bills. Uh, the owner wasn't used to that. He was a farmer. He was actually a banker. He wasn't used to that. And it kind of sat wrong with him. And I told him, I said, hey, listen to me. For for once, just please, please, please fly by the seat of your pants on this deal. And uh, I just he gave me a paper with pie charts and bar graphs and, and, um, about how we was going to have to sell. I can't, I've still got the paper. I, uh, how he's going to have to sell 800 and some odd units to break even. And then this, that, and the other. And, and, uh, I said, dude, what are you out? You know, you've already pocketed money on him. No, I just, I just want you to buy me, buy me out. And I, I called my partners. I said, we'll split it. We'll make everybody third. We paid him a check for uh, $2,560 for his quarter. Wow. Oh, I would I would imagine that the yeah. heart palpitations he had after seeing the bull take well, off. Just. I, and I love the family. I, I really do. Uh, and I don't want any, and never wanted any hard feelings about it. And I legitimately begged him, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no. It's just not my personality. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and that's, that's it. Uh, you know, and, and so there was it, later, later on, there was brothers come out, you know, that I, obviously I probably, obviously I lost that herd as a pasture purple herd and he went to market in his own and there was brothers come out, but there's, there was never another heat seeker. Mm-hmm. You know? So is it safe to say that he's the best one you ever pictured or has there been another one surfaced since then? Well, you know that I, I, once again, I read that question in two different ways. Um, it can be read is, is what is the best animal I ever pictured quality wise, or then it can be taken. What is the best picture I ever took of an animal? Uh, yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I probably never got the best pictures of the best animals that I ever had. Uh, the best picturing animal I've ever taken a picture of is not a cow. It's my son's Duroc sound. Mm. Uh, Big Red, she's a Duroc, and I mean, she is a smart one, and she is so photogenic and so talented in her in her way of thinking and in her style, and it's just it's just like picturing a supermodel. Um, Heat Seeker would definitely be one. The second one, and here here's one that the breeders listening will really get a kick out of. The second one was a full face baldy steer 
named Chief, and he was a year before Heat Seeker. He's why I used DeBull so much harder the next year. Next year, excuse me. And I can still to the day go up on the blacktop that runs east and west south of Humiston, and I can drive and crawl through the greater ditch and over the fence. And there was a little, probably five acre calving pasture, and I can walk straight to the exact spot that that three day old calf stood up. <laughs> and I literally was dumbfounded. Literally dumbfounded, solid black legged, solid black bodied, full face baldy, de bull out of a pony Angus Semitol cross cow that ended up being a donor after that. I named hot coffee, not after Scott coffee. <laughs> this was Ed coffee. Uh, and they were distant cousins. Uh, but I, Ed was another one of those pasture purple herds. And, and, uh, so, so Word got out about him. I couldn't keep my mouth shut, obviously. Word got out. Laverne Massman, who was a legend that just died this past year, uh, he was one I truly wanted to get on film interviewing. Um, he had he he was he was a mentor. Well, the little punk he, he had clipping for him uh, first was Kirk Sturwalt. The next little punk clipping for him was Tracy Gretzka. <laughs> Chuck McCullough was in the mix. Uh, the guy was a legend that very few knew about just because of his age and. He bought, he bought chief and he reared back at, at, uh, I wasn't having the pasture purple sale then. I was selling them all individually and he reared back and just said, you price that calf. And I said, all right, buddy, I'll price him. I want $3,500. I'll take him. And I thought, oh shit. (laughs) And he was his feature and his sale that fall. He brought all the kids in, uh, Tracy and, and Chuck and I don't know who all Laverne had working for him, rinsed him. Um, Russ Harkham, I got a word of him. Russ was the man back then. He was winning basically everything he showed up at. And uh, he showed up at least five times that summer looking at that calf. He just said, hook, I'm coming down. Why don't you take me out? Okay, whatever. He ended up buying him for the Manning family for $14,000 in Laverne Sale, the Kef went on and won the Iowa Beef Expo, then later won the Iowa State Fair. Jerry Douglas called him one of the greatest fast steers he's ever seen. Jeez. So wow. Yeah. So that was a that was a that was a story that uh, probably got too long, but it was it was a it was a definite life changer for me. Well yeah. Put me on the map. And that's that's as I'm gonna talk about later, I think I'm gonna talk about is addressing breeders, and that's just just keep trying until you get your break and then, then capitalize on that break. And that's, that's what I did after old chief, you know, that's awesome. Um, so I think we're going to segue into another segment that we call social smash. And as a guy that uses social media, um, you know, obviously Snapchat is, is a form of social media that we all enjoy. Um, and, uh, Instagram for sure with your 10,000 followers, which, I don't know that I know anybody in the livestock business with that many followers on Instagram. So um, I, I don't know what kind of award you should get, but we should we should pass out some some awards at some point. Yes, uh, to our to our uh, I don't know interviewees, I guess. Uh, so anyway, uh, Brad, what what is your biggest pet peeve on social media uh, to date? Well, that's, that's pretty easy for me to answer. Um, my biggest pet peeve right now is, is it's severely, and I mean severely, uh, 
cripples, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on the youth on this deal. I'm gonna say people. It severely cripples people's ability to have an eye to eye conversation in real life. Mm. Okay, that's my one pet peeve about it. Um, and you can't you can't fix that. And, and I'm not saying I'm innocent because if I'm in between cattle, I got my iPhone in my hand. If I'm of a night sitting in my east chair, I got my iPhone in my hand. Okay. But thank God I was raised in generations in church, in 4-H, in society where you talk to kids your own age, you talk to high schoolers. If you're a youngster, you talk to college, you talk to old men, you talk to old women, you talk to hot girls, you talk to whoever you talked eye to eye to them. And, uh, nowadays, if you try talking to all that array of people on social media, you're automatically going to be suspected as a pervert. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but that's true. You know, and I don't mean that. I don't mean probably not. I don't mean that that way, but one shining example, and I hated it when I seen it, I hated it. But at our county fair a couple of years ago, there was a, there was an old man that's, that's been a backbone of that community forever at the rodeo. We were all at the rodeo and he has his golf cart at the county fair and he pulls up and there's this, this young couple with a little kid there. And, um, he gets it in his pocket and I'm thinking, Oh, don't do this, please. Oh, don't do this, please. He gets in his pocket and he pulls out a dollar bill and he motions for that little kid to come over and get that dollar bill. Okay. In my early life, that would have been friggin' yeah. awesome. That is what a fun gesture in my social media current life. I'm thinking, Oh, they're going to think you're a child predator. Don't do that. Don't <laughs> yeah. do that. You know? And sure enough, the family kind of looks at him like, uh, what are you doing there? You know? And, uh, he had no clue, you know, and that's hanging out with my, getting to hang out with my parents, you know, when I'm not filming here during the summer and getting to hang out with my son, I so see the, the, the different mentalities of the generations, yeah. you know, and that's, that's one of my pet peeves is that's what social media has done. The, the second, evol- uh, the second, uh, pet peeve is is you just, people don't realize this, but you just cannot alienate yourself from real life and get real life respect. Okay. You just cannot stay behind a computer or a phone, demand respect and get it. What, Hmm. what, what people don't realize is when you're selling a product, I don't care whether it's a belt. I don't care whether it's a goat. I don't care whether it's a calf. You you're you're being judged more on the uh effort you are putting putting into raising and promoting your product than the actual product you're selling is being judged right honest god truth i remember that every day every day i'm a photographer every day i was a bread heifer sale promoter every day i was breeding calves and trying to sell them you are judged more on the amount of effort you put into your lifestyle and, and what you're trying to sell than you are on that product. People, not everybody wants to win, but everybody wants to have a good time with what they do. And uh, so I feel that I feel that that's part of the social media problem. People get, well, first of all, they don't go, you know, and, and Tracy Gretzky and I are, 
great friends. We, I mean, he's four years younger. He was like a little brother some days. He was like, uh, he was like a son some days and he was, he was like a father some days. And he told me when this, we had a conversation when this, uh, online sales stuff all started up, he's, this ain't going to work. I said, what do you mean? It ain't going to work. It's going to work. Great. No, it ain't going to work. He said, who, who in the right mind stupid enough to buy a calf without going and looking at him? <laughs> I said, well, I'm with you because we was raised with Tyrone Hoinger. We was raised with, uh, you know, Tyrone was always five steps ahead of everybody. No, you know, very few people even realize it. But when I was on the Today Show, I got to go into a producer's meeting with the 26 producers it took to, to do a one morning show. And I was so amazed. I, I was not, I was still farm boy mode, but I was so amazed at how everything was so scripted and how they were so far ahead in their way of the process of thinking before they ever got to the product that they were trying to sell or the person they were trying to interview. And it reminded me of Tyrone back in his days of selling kids. He was always five steps ahead. And, um, that's that's what you have to keep in mind. Tracy said, no, you have to stand there and you have to analyze feet and legs and you have to drive to that ranch and you have to do this. I said, no. I said, for one thing, and I don't mean this as a slam, but I said, for one thing, the people sitting online buying them off that picture and video would not be able to tell the difference in real life. <laughs> I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm saying they're ignorant to the fact that of what they have to have. Okay. They just want a good one. They haven't been schooled. They haven't had the honor or the pleasure or the privilege of being raised like I have, or like Tracy had with mentors that hammered into our head, the feet and the legs and the hip and the tail head and this, that, and the other, those people would rather sit there in their boxer briefs, uh, munching on Cheetos, drinking a beer, uh, and, and bidding on their laptop while they're watching Western on TV than they would to hop in a, in a pickup and drive to South Dakota and trounce through 300 head of cattle and still not have a freaking clue what mm-hmm. they saw. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's where we're at today. That's why online works. And, and that's also why what I said earlier about being as honest as you possibly can about everything is a must because these people are buying online. They're will- Some of them is willing to spend a pile of money. Okay. But they are going strictly off of what you say. And and I'm just going to be honest with you. Steer jocks coming up through history, they didn't have the best reputation. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing new to most people. But uh, I will say in today's society, uh, social media has been has been there and has, I I believe, helped in that in that way. So now uh, we mentioned this in your intro that Corey did, and you just mentioned it kind of side street here. Tell us about your day as a Today host. Well, here's how that whole thing come about. Um, it was, I told you my, my give a shitter gets broke and it, and it, <laughs> it had got broke uh, pretty much on basically on trying to collect checks from guys that bought steers. Okay. That's nothing new nowadays. It's nothing new with on. That's why online sales had such a good pitch. Um, and to be honest with you, this is off subject, but to be honest with you, whenever I first started picturing cattle, I couldn't get an online sale to hire me. They wanted me to go to, first of all, they thought I was going to start my online, my own online sale company. And finally, I called each and every one of them. I said, listen, if you think I want to go start trying to collect money 
on more cattle than I ever sold in my life, you are only fooling yourself. I'm wanting away from it. I want to do this part of it and I'll do it. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm going to stay independent. I'm going to, uh, you know, work for everybody and anybody. And, and that's, I finally got it in their head, but, uh, uh, my mind left me. What, what was the initial question? I want to know about the, your day as a today host. Today host. So, so how that all come about was my wife. So if you're a, if you're a big, uh, buck deer hunting fan, uh, I got, uh, our neighbors are the Kiskies, which have a, a big, uh, cable TV show called whitetail freaks. And my wife was teaching their son, I believe it was, this is 20, 20 years ago, probably in, uh, not quite in kindergarten. And I, I told her, I told Sean, I said, you ask Candy the next time she's in, if they got any used cameras, cause I'm thinking this video stuff's going to take off. Sure enough, they had one. I gave them $1,500. It was a tape camera. It was a Canon tape camera and it sat in my closet for a dang near a year. <laughs> and I had, I had a Mac and I had that camera there and I always watched the Today Show back before they were liberal pukes. And, <laughs> Couldn't uh, agree more. Did I say that out loud? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I watched the Today Show and they had this contest flare up to be anchor for a day, submit a two minute video, one minute because of why you wanted to interviewing yourself in the second minute with a, a commercial. And, and the rest is history. You've probably seen it online. That's uh, awesome. And uh, so, so I'm fitting my daughter's Hereford steer at the Iowa beef expo. And I get this two, one, two phone call. And I thought, Oh, I better take this. And it's the today show. This was a Saturday or Sunday at, at Des Moines. And they said, can you be here on Tuesday? I said, you dang straight. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. That was, like I say, Breeders World was still a chat form then. And that Breeders World is what won it for me. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> because what I didn't realize is I was sitting in that um, in that hotel room. Uh, I was on air for like mm, two minutes a day. The other 23 hours and you know 58 minutes i was on my own and it was it was hard for a country boy in new york city to find you know find solace there but uh, so anyway breeders world got behind me and what i failed to realize at that time was how many show cattle people or even show livestock people have real jobs in corporations that have corporate email accounts and uh I mean, Mark Core, I remember he got yep. behind it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I couldn't, I was getting emails from meat companies, from cattlemen's associations. The entire National Cattlemen's Association got behind me. And, and I, I couldn't even start to tell you everybody, but uh, I finally asked my producer. I got to know her pretty good. And I said, just tell me what, how, was it close or not? And she just rolled her eye and shook her head. So I think we ab- absolutely annihilated them. It was on a vote count. and. Uh, it was fun. It was, it was still seems like a dream. Um, but it, it what was, uh, what, what was your favorite part about, about being the host? Oh, just kind of rubbing elbows with, uh, with Al Roker and, uh, um, honey, I love you, but, uh, I just, I got to say this Natalie Morales, she was smoking <laughs> hot. Okay? Smoking hot. <laughs> Probably still is. Uh, she was fun too. Here's, here's an honest to God. I, here's an honest to God story. So it comes down to me and the guy from Nebraska in the final, final um, deal. And we have to have a promo shoot on the couch, all of us. And we had, to, I was in it once. 
he was in it the other time. They was going to use the guy that won it. Okay. And uh, Matt Lauer, which I, I absolutely loved him. I hated it. He had to go the way he did, but he was, he, he was, he was, he was ag savvy. Okay. So we're all sitting down and they knew me. I mean, the cameraman, everybody knew me as a semen salesman, <laughs> which in New York City, the federal gay guys working on your hair. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, it was funny. Everybody laughed about it. Okay. <laughs> so we sat down and, uh, I, we were waiting for him to queue up the camera to take the picture. And Matt says, uh, something about, uh, Hey Brad, uh, Natalie has a question about your occupation. And I'm thinking, Oh my God. And I look over and this, this skinny, sweet little lady says, so Brad I said, yeah. How do they get that stuff out of them bulls anyway? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I lost it. Everybody lost it. We were rolling and she was joking and I'm sure it was being filmed for B-roll or whatever, but it was, it was freaking hilarious. And they, they were, it was fun. It was good people. Ann Curry. I want to go on record. Ann Curry was the most awesome of them all. Um, they screwed up when they got rid of her. Um, I loved Ann during the break. Um, she was walking down through us, asking us questions. Well, she asked us what, uh, what, what was your most surprising thing about meeting us? And, and she got to me and she had this, she had all of her papers in her hand. And I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, I just can't believe how nice you are. And she took that handful of papers and slapped me upside the head. And she says, what do you think I was going to be a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that's a true story. And she laughed, you know, and that, that was stuff you don't see, you know, or don't ever think about. And uh, uh, it was a good time. Was that's good. awesome. That's hilarious. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Well, I, uh, I, I saw it on your social media and I had to ask. So there you go, folks. There's yeah. the backstory. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think about people, you know, the younger generation not know anything about that, but really that was 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. And so if, if you're, basically you know 20 or under you you probably right. wouldn't you know so yeah. <laughs> well i uh i want to flip the script on you a little bit and uh, go a different avenue that was social smash is always a fun one for us we love hearing our guest uh um pet peeves and whatnot so it kind of fit there now this is a topic and question that Corey and i were uh discussing back and forth about man what are we going to ask brad when we get him on so, folks listening, Brad, yourself, picture this. You walk into a building, say whatever arena you're used to showing in, the bleachers are full with every single cattle breeder in the country. They're all there. They're all in the audience. But they chose Mr. Brad Hook to step in the middle of that arena, grab a microphone. What do you say? Well, uh, I think that's a fairly easy answer. And, and, and it was, it was, it was a crossroad I had to come to my first job uh, after I dropped out of college uh, due to the eighties farm crisis. And due to, I didn't give two shits about being there. Uh, aced every ag course, didn't go to every other course. Um, I took an insurance job as an insurance adjuster. And um, uh, my starting salary was mind boggling. And not in a good way. It was like $13,500, you know, and it was in my hometown. And I, and I, I felt like a big shot. I had my own office. I had dress clothes on and, 
And then uh, about three years later, a big corporation, the Travelers Group out of Des Moines, they, they come down to hire me away from this little small town county mutual. And, and I went to work managing insurance offices that they were buying up. They were buying small town insurance agencies and, and I was the manager of them. And I absolutely freaking hated every second of the day, every day. And luckily I told this corporate conglomerate that I'll give you one year of my life. I enjoyed the adjusting. I was writing checks. I wasn't trying to get checks out of people. I was going to fires. I was going to explosions. I was going to hail damage and people were glad to see me. And I I got along good with people and I wrote them checks. This sales job was completely opposite. And I hated it. And I told him at the end of one year, if I still hate it, I'm out of here. And and I was. And I left it exactly a year later. And that's what I would tell this group of breeders. Guys, do a little soul searching here. Do you still love what you're doing? And if you do love what you're doing, are you putting 100% of your passion into what you're doing? Because I'm going to tell you what, just as I mentioned earlier, your customers can smell that. Mm. They can smell whether you give a shit about them or not. Okay. So if you're not, and if you still want to be in that business, turn it up. Don't look at the young bucks coming up. Don't bitch about the young guys. Do this or do that. Welcome them with open arms. Okay. Welcome. Just what we need to realize as a group is everybody, for one thing, we're under enough fire from the people that don't like us. Yeah, we all no need to work together as a group. And old people have wisdom. Young people have current wisdom. Middle-aged guys are just trying to not sink. They're trying to grab a hold of the new with the wisdom from the old. And, and we just all need to realize that we all need each other and we all need what each other can offer. And, and that's what I see today. Prime example is the fitting clinics. When I was fitting, when I had a show string and I walked into, into the Hoosier beef owners, there might've been, there might've been 10 other people, maybe 20 that could fit as well as I could. Okay. And I'm not going to, I'm just going to tell you right now. I, I was good. I wasn't. <laughs> now I am amazed with, with these. In fact, I filmed a little, little bit of, a little bit of trivia. I filmed the actual first Sullivan's, um, what do they call them? Uh, oh, yeah. Talk you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I actually filmed the first one on that camera. I bought from Kiskis, but anyway, with those now being in effect, with Kirk's deal, with Chucky's deal, with Sullivan's deal, all being in effect for so many years now, it is mind-boggling to this old 54-year-old man just how well and how effective a group of kids can get together on one animal and pimp them mm-hmm. out. Okay? Chad Day, Dave Geyer. Paul, Paul, where I, God bless his soul, all used to team up on one at the Who's Your Beef Congress and make everybody just scratch their head. Tracy Gretzky still does same way. Okay. They're you, Bob May, Bob May, Kirk Sterwald, obviously. There used to be those uh, select few. And, and now it's just my hat's off to the kids. My hat's off to the people doing it. Uh, you know, and that, that's just, 
the thing that I would tell people. And the second thing I'm going to tell this group of breeders is, okay, guys, let's wake up. Use common sense. Use common sense. People, you look at an animal and you ask yourself, would I buy this animal? If you would look at that animal and say, that is one bad son of a buck. Why in the world would anybody try and sell something like that? And then you go ahead and put that one in an online sale and, he, and then bitch because he doesn't sell, <laughs> you know, let's, let's fine tune, you know, our arsenal here. Let's fine tune our way of thinking. And, and granted that statement probably just cost me money because I make a whole lot of money doing more <laughs> money than I do 15. But guess what? You know, it's not about the money. It's about success. Uh, that would be one thing I would tell them to sharpen their knives on. Second of all, uh, little known fact. Well, my friends know it. I don't Facebook. I have no Facebook. I hate Facebook. An old hired man of ours used to always say, and he was a redneck Missourian. He always used to say, stupid people shouldn't breed. <laughs> and all, I, all I ever think of is when the minute I see Facebook is stupid people did breed. Okay. <laughs> and and I, so I started Twittering, which is not a lot better, but I started Twittering on Facebook. Now I'm going to back up. I don't want to piss anybody off on the Facebook deal because I watch my son perform miracles and sales of show pigs on Facebook. And I realized if I was young and I was trying to get a reputation and I was trying to sell a product, Facebook is a must. Okay. Not going to lie. It just, I hate it. And I refuse to, I hate negativity. And that was my mom. Uh, I, I got that from her. She wanted no fighting and, I, and I'm pretty much the same way until I get mad. <laughs> so anyway, I don't, I, I think that's, you know, I don't know if there's a whole lot else I would say to the, to the crowd. Um, just, let's just, uh, work together, get your act together, get a passion about it. If you want, if you don't get out, go do something you want, go take the money you're throwing at embryo transplant and cloning and put it in a boat and go have a blast. There and you snap go. I want to see it, you know? Yep. But don't, you know, just, uh, let's just use our heads. It's nothing is new anymore. Nothing is new. It's just being mm-hmm. tweaked. Okay. Somebody else said that. I, uh, I, I, I Wait, here's, here's, here's what a lot of the viewing audience, I can, an analogy I can, I can hit home base with. I equate competition in any stock show, any, any, any form of livestock, species of livestock, like these current video games. Okay. There are so many levels to them and you have an elite few that can get through the gazillion levels to the top and you have a bunch or the majority of people who are still struggling to get to the first layer, second layer, third layer, whatever, however many layers there are. And the thing that I would tell this audience again is be honest with where you're at in that video game. Your life is a video game. Do not bitch at guys that are knocking on the top about things they are doing that you fully have no capability of understanding, you know? And if you stay with it long enough, and if you go through enough life situations, and if you go through just enough of the process, one day there will be a light come on in your head and you'll say, oh, I understand why. I understand why they were doing that now. And I don't care whether it's fitting. I don't care whether it's feeding. I don't care whether it's anything. It's just some people know more than others. And whenever you tell yourself, you know, as much as mm-hmm. them, you're only fooling yourself. So I love that. That's where we, where we got to be. So, um, 
last question. And uh, this will wrap up our show today. It's been uh, hands down longest interview, which congratulations, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's not a surprise. I'm going to tell you something else. I have started listening to podcasts uh, on, on long drives. And I have listened to some of yours. I really enjoyed the, uh, um, always a friend of mine, uh, hog producer there in Ohio. Jim McCoy. Uh, Greg. Jim, Jim McCoy. Uh, I, I enjoyed that one thoroughly. I, I've been, I haven't listened to all of them. I don't mean to be slight. I enjoyed Jesse Heimer thoroughly. Um, but, but the reason I brought this up is I also listened to, um, oh, who's the guy that, uh, does the, uh, the MMA. Oh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every one of his is three yeah. hours long, you know, and and you think why? But then, if they're really, really good, and you're driving, man, it makes that drive go. Yeah, fast. The time go. big time. The one done with Ron White. I mean, I I I, st- I should go back and listen to it again. And uh, that's one thing. That's one thing that my eighth grade English teachers. We called them the hag sisters. They were mean as snake, <laughs> but they made us learn English and they made us learn. Do not use any more words than what you have to, to convey that message. Do not ramble. Do not respect other people's mentality. Respect that they are busy people and that they only want to hear something valuable. And, and that is the thing I think, um, that is going to separate podcasts. I think if you can come in, uh, with content and uh, like you guys, uh, like your, your best ones are, and you can, you can keep it active. Um, I think you guys are, are onto something. Well, I know you're onto something huge regardless, but, uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, you know what it is. Everybody acts like these podcasts are something new. You know right. what? Our ancestors sat around a radio yeah. when there was no television <laughs> exactly. and listened to people tell stories. It's nothing new, people. We reinvented the wheel, you know? Yep. And I think we're hungry for it, to be honest with you. I truly think we're hungry for it. And uh, Yeah. Well, that, that goes back to, I mean, on, on Caldwell's episode, he said there's no such thing as a new idea. We're no. just tr- yeah. changing and morphing what's been once been done before. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm I'm going to agree with so, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, Brad, um, this is a loaded question that we ask everybody. Some are pretty quick to get to the point. Others are kind of. This is more of a head scratcher for them, which we appreciate because we like all varieties of answers. So, uh, we want to know where you see the show stock industry in five years. I get asked that. <sighs> nearly daily. Um, I'm a, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about species. I mean, every species I'm, I'm going to think probably predominantly about cattle, but I'm going to talk about uh, species. And here's what worries me slightly about the future of livestock showing when here's what worries me. I'm going to start with the negative. When my son could get on Facebook, when this is when we were jackpotting hogs 30 times a summer. When my son could get on Facebook the Tuesday or Wednesday before that weekend show 
and he found out who the judge was. And we ran eight hogs and he could tell me whether we were going to be grand reserve third, fourth, fifth overall, or whether we weren't going to get a piece of anything, probably not even a class. And he could nail it 99% of the time. That scares me. Mm. Yep. Okay. That scares me. And it doesn't scare me about getting beat. Now, those of you who know me, I, I, I can kind of flip a dipshit switch whenever I'm competing. Because <laughs> I am intense. Now, I don't mean it. Uh, it's just my generation. I didn't play football. I was first chair trumpet, by golly. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> we lost three games in four years, the class of 1983. Three games in four years. Okay. Wow. So it was kind of read into my entire class. We've got we've got Washington DC attorneys. We've got Dennis and Aurora, Colorado. We got we got farmers that are successful. We got whatever, whatever, whatever. We got meth heads too. <laughs> but, uh, um, the the fact of it is is we've got to figure out some form. We either got to have shows, normal shows, and just allow the politics to, to go ahead and be what they are and accept it and move on. Or we've got to come up with an alternative type of show. And I tweeted this one time um, to, to know, to try and nullify that. And in, in the, the one place I was being selfish thinking about is whenever say, whenever we're trying to see a trend in Durox or we're trying to see a trend in Burks or something. And we know that, so-and-so is already going to win the Durox ahead. That that doesn't tell me at the World Pork Expo what type of boar, and I don't do any of the breeding decisions. I'm just, I'm just this is for my own peace of mind, what type of animal we need to try and breed towards, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tweeted one time, wouldn't it be nice to take the top 10 uh, senior and, and intermediate showmen, sequester them, have the families bring their hog, goat, calf, whatever, into a completely tarped off room where nobody could see who was getting what calf, have a, have a panel of judges or one judge, doesn't matter, probably a panel would be better, and have that selected showman lead that calf or hog or sheep or goat into that and just let's get an honest evaluation of livestock. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Am I being a man or not? That's it. That, that's in, it's interesting to think about that. I mean, uh, it's well, kind of like like the Denver, the Denver Louisville system, you know, where they've got a panel um, that selects the livestock. So, yeah, I mean, I think you do. If you get different personalities. I, I, I agree. And I recognize that panel. The thing mm-hmm. I'm trying to get put in place in this. I don't think every show ought to be this way. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm just talking out loud. OK, maybe I think the anana, the animate say it for me. Them not knowing who's animosity. Animosity. After the animosity, but the judge doesn't know who owns the animal, does not know anything about the animal other than what is presented in front of him. I would like that kind of, of uh, education on the animals in the class. See what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Right. I'm just yep. trying to. I'm trying to think out of the box. He won't. Well, it, it is. I mean, that makes it more of a judging contest setting at that point. You just use the better, better stock. Yeah, yeah. But it is kind of cool, though. I mean, I'll play devil's advocate a minute. The really, really good showmen can make an average one look really good, and the ones who don't know what they're doing can make a perfect one look 
pretty slouchy. And, and that is a wild card. That's why I would want the top 10. Uh, if, if, it, if you had good enough quality showmen, I would want only the elite showmen so that the families that own the, the livestock couldn't complain about it. Right. Right. I really don't know what we're going to accomplish from doing that. I'm just saying it would be kind of cool to see. It yeah. would be. I yeah. agree. Huh. That being said, I also had the wild idea to have a Kef decorating contest for those who didn't give two shits about winning. <laughs> you know, you just wanted to feed a Kef all year long. So, and I, to be honest with you, I think I've actually seen that done a time or two. So, well, yeah, well I'll, at, uh, at the end of the fair, they do a uh, they do a oh, sheep costume contest. So, yeah, same same thing. There is same. a. There was one where they, I think David Core, we had him on once, but he was judging an open show or whatever that here in Ohio, and they dressed their stuff up, but you had to, the showman had to match their hog, and uh, <laughs> well, you don't even know the best of it. The showman was a male in a speedo oh, no. who was showing oh, a no. guilt in a bikini, so we could get pretty <laughs> far with that. Did you have six, uh, six or twelve? different holsters there <laughs> yeah, <are>. yeah. <laughs> and my point in saying that is in my point in saying all this is we've got our industry is going to dry up and blow away if we cannot figure out a way to pacify those who simply want to have a good time with a project right yeah see what i'm saying there and i'm certainly not against awesome Crossbred steers bringing 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, $100,000. Not against that. If The world is not fair. If you've got that kind of money to spend on a steer, more power to you. Okay. Right. I'm happy for the guy selling it. I'm happy for the guy that raised it. More power to you. But, uh, you know, you just can't uh, eliminate, uh, you know, the audience or the, the crowd, your contemporaries that help pay the bills to put on the shows. Right. You know right. Saying? The and the, and and hopefully we have and here's I don't know if you follow me on Snap or not I I really don't. I do now I'm, I'm, yeah I'm adding you right now I I will I will as I'm driving long distance occasionally get on topics uh it they have been dubbed rants which I really don't think I'm ranting but uh, I can certainly understand how it would be that way and after I I've emceed the the Iowa Beef Expo for, for a number of years and and. I also go back to my days of fitting for the Iowa Beef Expo, and it just about made me vomit this year whenever two Angus steers showed up and whenever two red Angus steers showed up and whenever uh, five shorthorn steers showed up. And and uh, I remember the glory days. I remember when a shorthorn always got a piece of the top five, if not reserve. I remember when there was 10 classes of Angus steers with 10 head in them. You know, I remember, uh, I remember all that, and I – in this rant or in this, it got, I would say it got 500 screenshots sent to me with, I, t- I had just had them explain what they were thinking. And they said, well, you can't compete with the breed steer. You can't compete. Well, guess what? You can't compete with a bad common crossbred either. And that's probably all you're going to be able to afford. Okay. You got to be honest with yourself, but what you can do is you can buy a good Angus steer from your neighbor who cut him because his birth weight was too heavy. Okay. <laughs> or, whatever. And you can roll into that 
two head Angus division or what I'm not downgrading Angus here. I'm just saying you can roll into that breed division. You can win you a division. You can get to dance in the big dance under the bright lights and you can have fun with your project. Or you can go ahead and walk into somebody's online pasture sale, pick out a calf that's got three inches of leg hair as straight as can be, won't ever amount to two pinches of shit, pay way more than he was worth and end up second to last in your class. Now, what do you want to do? You know, yep. am I ranting? I love it. I love slightly, it. I'm sitting here smiling. <laughs> so, anyway, so anyway, here recently, uh, just recently as the County Fair shows uh, are, are culminating, I got a picture of a really nice purebred Semitol steer, purebred Semitol steer that won grand. I got a picture of an awesome Hereford steer, legit Hereford DNA'd that won grand. I got two more pictures of, uh, of Herefords that were reserve grand, an Angus steer that was supreme, an Angus steer that was reserve supreme at a tough show in Indiana. And I'm just saying, guys, let's, I'm saying this to the breeders. I'm saying this to the traders. I'm saying this to the exhibitors. Let's re-rack our mentality here. Okay. And see what we can do. But Big anyway. time. Yeah. Well, dude, this has been an absolutely phenomenal episode full of laughter and serious comments. I just got my notes taken down about the, the cattle industry because I admittedly need to know more. So, uh, man, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure somebody just made a trip from Ohio to, to Georgia by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, this is awesome. I want to thank you so much for jumping on. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties getting started, but uh, I appreciate everything you've said and your time today. I, I, I truly do appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I think you're on to something, uh, something really uh, innovative and, and really going to be five years from now, you ask me. I, I'm sure it's going to be around. And I'm sure it's going to be tweaked and I'm sure it's going to be bigger and uh, going to be a part of the mainstay. And, and uh, I do appreciate it. Once again, I, I'm the, I get passionate about things, but I also am willing to listen, you know, to your side of it too. And I'm also willing to change my mind. So if you hear me and think this guy is an arrogant ass, please don't do that. I'm just, just a good guy that likes to get along. So, yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, been awesome, man. It really has. I second that hundred percent. You're right. Uh, well, good luck. guys. Good luck. Hey, we, we appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate it uh guys if you want to go and follow brad um do so just search uh, brad hook on instagram follow his instagram page and i promise you won't be disappointed with the content um just added brad on snapchat he's got his snap code on on uh, his instagram page too so uh if you want to join the ten thousand follower club that brad's got please go and do that uh brad you got a website no i don't no okay. just no uh, website and I'm going to tell you right now, do not email me. I hate email. <laughs> I've made it clear with you guys. I, it won't get answered. If you if you need an immediate answer, snap me. That's there you go. Fact, you're going to get an answer from me. And, uh, and uh, But like I say, I, I appreciate it. And I truly enjoy Snap. I uh, truly enjoy the, the social part of, of, of that. And, uh, and, and just like this, uh, I, hope, I hope this is well received. And uh, I wish you guys the best. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Brad. All right, guys, we'd love to hear from you, uh, our listeners. If you have any topics, social smash you want to be, uh, you know, shout out on the on the show, go ahead and follow us. Uh, send us some messages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. Um, if you like what you've heard, please give us that five-star review, share, comment, tell your family and friends. Uh, make sure that we know that you like the content we're bringing you. 
Um, you can follow our website, uh, stocktalk-podcast.com. Um, that'll help you learn how to, to, uh, get some merch, um, become a Patreon and some other things we have on there. Speaking of Patreon, Trev, cool website that we've got here with some, uh, unique ad free content. Um, and if you want to do that, go on to patreon.com slash stock talk podcast. That's P A T R E O N dot com and uh you can possibly once you sign up get some free merch depending on what level you're at uh obviously this ad free and uncut episode raw material um trevor and i are collecting more of that um weekly so without you guys are we are absolutely nothing it's just a couple guys talking to themselves with a with a guest so thanks for listening thanks for following along trev Absolutely. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And we thank uh, Brad for his time. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Stock Talk. I got a good.